Avast, ye, and welcome to the Gay Pirate Podcast, where two queer IRL pirates talk about our flag means death one episode at a time. I'm Lark Malachi Gray, and I have one gun and one knife, just like everyone else. I am Jesse Blount, and if you're not going to be Jim anymore, can I be Jim? (laughs) So, we are talking about episode four, Discomfort in a Married State. And we start off with the backstory for Steed running away from home, which is an enraged marriage to Mary, a woman who is also not thrilled about this rich person bullshit. They get married on the beach with some lighthouse-themed vows and end up having a few kids. And we learn this bittersweet flashback is part of Steed's healing from a gut wound fever dream. Back in the real world, Blackbeard, AKA Ed, and his long-suffering partner in crime, Izzy, are on the revenge on the run from the Spanish after, you know, killing the fuck out of them in the last episode. The plan is to kill everyone after repairing the ship, or the huge, as it were, but Ed is clearly charmed by the revenge and her crew. In Steed's fever dream, we learn that Mary is a talented painter who did a rad AF lighthouse portrait for a gift that Steed does not appreciate. In turn, Steed got Mary a tiny model ship of the revenge and an invite to move the whole family to sea, which Mary does not want and is understandably fucking pissed about. Ed, meanwhile, is delighted by the little ship and not so much by Izzy trying to get him to figure out what to do next. Up on deck, the crew is trying to come to terms with Jim's gender and turns out that the Spanish Navy is in fact after them. Ed's posted up at Steed's bedside because the fascination slash attraction is fucking deep. In Steed's dream, Mary actually straight up is like, I know you're unhappy, but we have to try because YOLO. Steed takes the YOLO part to heart and runs away that same night. He feels a fuck ton of guilt about this because his dream turned to a nightmare about his shortcomings as a husband and a pirate. Thankfully, this is the sun that his fever has broken. And what's this? A handsome bearded dude at his bedside? Things are looking up for, for my good dude. Ed, meanwhile, is like, what the fuck, when Steed is, looks at him and asks him if he works for Blackbeard. But because this is a goddamn meet-cute, he introduces himself as Ed, and he and Steed bond over a fine fabric. Steed, of course, is elated to then share his hidden closet of fancy clothing, but a little less so to find out that Ed is actually Blackbeard. Jim clarifies to the whole crew with a knife that they're not a woman, just Jim, still Jim, and that's the end of that. Ed voices his annoyance with being Blackbeard, and Steve is like, you could retire. Ed is impressed by Steed's weird-ass ways and his fancy shirts, and I don't know, that ass, so of course he's like, let's take off all of our clothes. The crew is very confused when Ed and Steve come on deck in each other's clothes. Izzy is not having this, because, uh, this is not the man he married, I mean, pledged his loyalty to. But also, <laughs> the Spanish are coming, and someone needs to have a fucking plan. Izzy is trying to drag Steed into reality, and Steed fucking chokes because he has no actual experience at this and has been coasting by on sitcom magic. Thankfully, Ed is smart AF and has pulled the ADHD problem solving to good use. See, Ed, kn- Ed knew there would be a fog because of the clouds and the wind and the color of the sky, and along with the full moon, means they're not gonna, they're not gonna die. Elementary, my dear Bonnet. Unfortunately, in true ADHD passage, the passage of time has fucked up his plan. Damn you, leap year! It is, so it's not the night of the full moon, so the, Sp- so the Spanish ships are totally gonna smash into them. Ed gets fucking drunk, duh. Steed is bummed that he was not a lighthouse to his family, which leads to the same, which leads them to have the same idea. 
fake out the Spanish by pretending to be a lighthouse with a bit of theatrics and some rum, saving the day. We end the episode with Steed and Ed having breakfast together in the crow's nest, deciding to teach each other um, teach each other about their respective lifestyles. Ed has to go reassure Izzy, though, that he's still the man that he loves and they're still the same Blackbeard he married, and it pacifies Izzy by letting him think that this is part of a long con and would let Izzy captain Ed's old ship. It works like a fucking charm. Yes, and if you like this show, please rate and review us on iTunes. Also, don't forget that you can celebrate Hot Pirate Summer with us. Uh, join our Patreon to watch Hook with us later this month and to watch Our Flag Means Death with us every week on Tuesdays and Fridays. Also, we post cute memes and other fun things on our social media, and we have really great Our Flag Means Death inspired merch in our shop. The links to all of those things are in the show notes. Also, we do a gender and sexuality advice episode every year for Pride, which goes up on the Gaily Prophet and Escape from Reality feeds next Tuesday, June 21st. And we released a really fun bonus episode about the movie Birds of Prey on those feeds last Tuesday. So you should check those out. This is a fully spoiled podcast. And with that, we will enter our first segment. (laughs) (laughs) Talk it through as a crew where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. All right. I will start since you just, I think, didn't take a breath the entire time you were saying that thing. (laughs) Um, All right. So we start off with this deeply uncomfortable, small coastline wedding between Steed and Mary. And I kind of feel bad because literally 20 minutes later, we have Mary talk about how much she fucking hates the ocean. Mm-hmm. So clearly, whoever designed this wedding was just like, whatever the fuck, we're going to do it. It's going to be cute. Y'all don't need to contribute anything to what's going on. And it's just like, not a great start to this marriage. I mean, yeah, it, it, nothing about the start of their marriage is good. No, not in the slightest. Um. I want to start sort of outside of the episode and just say that something that I really appreciate about this show is that they're not, the episodes aren't specific lengths. Like they're as long as they need to be to get across the storyline that they're writing. And I know, you know, that's not possible anywhere where you have like a schedule like on cable TV or whatever, but the freedom that I think it gives them to be able to develop things as much or as little as necessary is really nice. How did I literally not notice that until you said that? Because I was like sitting there, I'm like, why is this episode like 45 minutes long? (laughs) 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 Or however long it is. I'm like, I still, I was like watching it. I'm like, I still have 20 minutes left. So much has happened. Yeah, this one's like 35 minutes and the last one was 26 minutes. And it just, you know, varies throughout the whole season. They hover around half an hour, but like, 10 additional minutes of plot is a lot in TV time, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they there's a lot crammed into this episode, so. Yeah, there really is. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that Izzy says Edward focus is like, <laughs> I felt that deep in my soul. <laughs> and I'm just like, how dare you, Izzy Hans? But it's also like, actually, yeah, I guess this is important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, same. It's uh, very, very, very relatable to, I think, all of us with ADHD out here in the world. Like, 
I am fucking focusing. There's a toy boat. What are you talking about? <laughs> Do you see all the cool shit in this cabinet right now, Izzy? Little ceramic figurines on a boat. Do you understand how magical and impractical this shit is? Truly. And I think it's so funny because um, one of the points that I have is that Blackbeard is like, I mean, he's being nice judgmental, but still being judgmental about everything that Steed has around. And I was like, Sir, like, we all saw your captain's quarters in the last episode. Like, why is having a bunch of mummies around more reasonable than having, like, figurines and a model of your ship? Yeah. I mean, he has to maintain that persona of Blackbeard. Just Ed's face when Steed asks if he works for Blackbeard. (laughs) Which is the, like... It's first it's like, are you fucking kidding me right now? And then it's just that that immediate moment of being like, oh, I don't have to tell you that I'm Blackbeard. Because you didn't automatically guess that from yeah. context clues. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's so good. Um, My next thing is, <laughs> so when they're all like fixing up the boat... Lucius is just standing there, like, vaguely hammering on the deck rail, like, not doing anything, not even looking at what he's doing. (laughs) I love it so much. Yeah, it is, it is actually very funny because it's like, yeah, it's like only a few people are doing actual work and no one knows how to do the work. It's just like, you know, uh, if you weren't coasting by on sitcom magic, Izzy would be right about what's happening around (laughs) you. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my next point is that, you know, how I'm saying is, you know, Jim Jim gets some results uh, threatening Frenchie and the rest of the crew with a knife about their name and pronouns. And I'm just like, you know, <laughs> people want to, uh, you know, bring that energy into, their, into your own lives. Just saying. Yeah. It's an <laughs> effective tactic. <laughs> Um, in that scene, I mean, we're like learning so much about Izzy, obviously, in this episode, and, you know, how seriously he takes himself. And I think that we get, like, it's just such a beautiful example of it when he comes in and he's like, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you sitting around eating? Like, why are you not taking this seriously? And then storms off expecting that they're going to be like, shit, I got in trouble. I'm going to start working. And instead they're just like, anyway, and like get back to their <laughs> conversation. The like anyway for P is just so perfect. Yeah. They're just like. Uh, hello, you're just the substitute teacher. You're not a real teacher. Exactly. They might as well like fire a spit wad at him as he goes. Yeah. Um, I never brought this up earlier in an episode, but I'm sort of rabid about it. But during the close swap is when we see Blackbeard obtain the like black neckerchief that he therefore never gives back to steed even when he is a kraken and i'm just like it's like okay it's like all the tears just all of the tears and i'm also like they had to be cute they're in love yeah um i want to point out the foreshadow well it's not i guess it's foreshadowing but also just 
when they're drinking, they're going to go down with the ship. Ed is like, I always thought I'd have a cooler death, like being eaten by a tiger. And then Ed, or Steed is like filing that away for totally later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to fake my own death by being eaten. It's not a tiger. It's like a jaguar. I don't know what it is. A jungle cat. Yeah. Yeah. Which is pretty funny. Okay. So this fucking show. I love when you see Lucius, like they're all below deck and like Izzy is like, we have a plan. We're fucking going to die. And then Lucius comes back from counting back an hour and 45 minutes, which is already 47 like. 47 minutes. An hour and 47 minutes. And he's like doing like a, a tense like countdown, which I feel like you mainly see in like really intense like crime drama movies as a fucking bomb or some shit. <laughs> it's just. It just, just rats. You could just see Steed's anxiety wretched. And I don't know why him coming and doing the countdown is like so perfect and funny, but it is. Yeah, no, it's incredible. And Steve doesn't even know why he's counting. Like, he was still passed out when that happened, but it's so clear. Like, there's such urgency related to it. It's great. Also, Lucius doesn't know why he's counting. He does not know why he's counting. (laughs) I love that he did it backwards. Like, if someone was like, count backwards from an hour and 47 minutes, I would... 100% 100% count forwards for an hour and 47 minutes. Lucius <laughs> is just like, no, that's what you said. That's what I have to do. Yeah. Um. This is actually my last thing here. Who do you think delivered them their like breakfast service to the crow's nest? Um, that's a good question. Probably Roach. I mean, he definitely put it together. Yeah. Okay. No, actually, that makes sense. Because I feel like, you know, Roach does his own thing most of the time, but also he is, like, very passionate about cooking and, like, about um, plating, you know? Uh, So I feel like he wouldn't trust anyone else to carry that up to the crow's nest and make it presentable. And especially if Steed was like, oh, I really want to impress Blackbeard with, like, the spread. And Roach would be like, oh, fuck yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um... I actually just have, I have one more thing too, in which I, and I didn't catch this because I just happened to hit pause, but there's the scene when Ed is drunk on Steed's couch wearing his like fancy pants. Behind the couch, you can see the plant that Steed stole in the first episode. And it's still, it looks kind of sad still. And I'm like, has Ed been the one watering this fucking plant? Because <laughs> it looks beautiful and lush. What is it like five episodes later yeah. or whatever? And I'm like. I love I that. Mean, I don't know. I'm just like, this is my new headcanon that Ed is the one who's been watering that fucking plant. (laughs) Yeah, because it really takes one time of watering a fern for it to bounce back. So I'm saying yes. Okay. I love that. (laughs) Welcome to a crew of imbeciles where we talk about character development. Can we start with Blackbeard? We sure can. He is also in my top space. Cool. Um, I want to start... <sighs> okay, so I feel like this episode really gives us like very interesting character establishment because obviously he's like really like a- amiable. He's very friendly. He's very like, what the fuck is my crew being so intense about, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, 
in a lot of ways we see him being like pretty soft and like we continue seeing him be very soft but also like we get very clearly that he is also like utterly ruthless because when he says oh they die quite dramatically don't they spaniards a lot of blubbering for their god and then also as he's like we lost a bunch of men when we fought those spaniards and blackbeard's like um that's their job they're pirates you're like oh that's fucking cold dude <laughs> yeah it, it it is a very uh interesting duality to his personality which is and especially interesting because we sort of we sort of get when like when steed and ed meet and steed is like well do you work for blackbeard and he's like oh i, I guess i do and sort of this and the show kind of continues a sort of like there's a like the soft Ed side and there is the like ruthless Blackbeard. Right. Dread pirate Blackbeard side of him, you know? Yeah. And which, I mean, I think we, we expect as someone who's like fucking Blackbeard, but it is just, it's just so fascinating to get kind of like, you know, up until this point, we've had these sort of like shadowy meetings and we're like, oh man, we've seen Izzy. This dude must be fucking tough. And then it's just like, look at the clouds, Izzy. <laughs> <laughs> they look like hot dogs. And you're just like, what? <laughs> yeah yeah and for a second there i was like maybe maybe it is sort of like steed like brings out this side of him in the way that sort of like a friendly golden retriever can befriend a you know shitty cat that mm-hmm. you know will like bite any human but is like in love with this dog i had one of those when i was growing up but we actually see that before when you know, he's just like, hey, guys, you know, like, I know he's supposed to have cat energy, but I do feel like Ed comes in with, like, really friendly dog energy. <laughs> he's just like, don't call me, sir. Like, how's everybody doing? Look at you. You're all so grubby. Just like, so like he, you know, he maybe he's more of like a pit bull than a golden retriever in that he looks scary but actually he's just like the wiggliest dog but he does have a lot of dog energy going on here no i think you're right and yeah and especially when it's like even that the way he interacts with the crew like we we've already brought up is he having like really mean substitute teacher energy when he calls them the crew to call them hostages when they're like eating lunch he just says you don't get to eat when you've been invaded yeah right 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 and and Ed is like, oh, you know, like, don't treat our guests like that, you know? And it's just, like, very acting, very, like, also very amicable, you know, about the crew and all of their rope aesthetic. <laughs> 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 and his excitement over the bird guy. <laughs> Which, like, the fact that Izzy and Fang and Ivan are pretending that they aren't excited about Carl is, like, really speaks to their ability to like hold back their emotions because literally everyone is like what what the fuck like they have a bird guy like they're you can't convince me that they're not internally stoked about carl i mean i mean uh i mean we have uh fang being canonically at least a dog person potentially animal person yeah yeah i feel like (laughs) i feel like my top notes for ed is just like besides just being a like i don't know tender summer child it's also like oh these are like the worst fire sign adhd impulses i think <laughs> um i'm like i'm like looking at him just like oh wait say someone, more about that 
Oh, I guess, I mean, so obviously I brought up a lot in my uh, intro that like a, a lot of recognizing a lot of sort of like ADHD stuff that I do and like recognizing it in in Ed, but also sort of like, I'm like, you sort of have Sagittarius energy or like in general fire sign. I think Leo, but like just because of his sort of like maybe more the Black Pier persona than maybe Ed himself. But yeah, yeah, I think the like, yeah, just like the sheer, just the sheer being over anything being boring and tedious is a thing where it's just like, yes, I too also want to like claw my own skin off. It's like, this is not, if I'm doing, if it's like, this isn't interesting enough, mm-hmm. you know, not enough interesting, unique novel stimuli. I'm like, yeah, uh, actually we'll get to him, but we do get both Mary and Steed's birthday on the tombstones. That's so that's. I think the real Steed Bonnet's real birthday, and I also, in general, like don't care as much about things like that as I do about the vibe of the characters. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I guess we've sort of covered the rest of my stuff is really about his like just dissatisfaction with what his life has become. How this like you know adventure TM life has somehow become incredibly predictable. Yeah. And yes, (laughs) I was like, do I have anything to add to that? I guess I actually don't. It's like, cause like even your dream job could get tedious and terrible, especially if maybe you're over the sort of tough, wrathful persona that you have to bring to the role, you know? Yeah. Sometimes you just have to start another podcast. (laughs) 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 Who do you want to talk about next? I have actually Izzy next. Cool, let's do it. Um, and since I was on this vein, uh, I don't know how you feel about this, but I think I think Izzy has some Earth signs like Capricorn or Virgo, and maybe it's just kind of the 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 place that he holds, like compared to Izzy. I mean, compared sorry, compared to Ed, where like he has to be the like okay, but details like being in reality like concrete like we're we're going to die i do not care about this fucking toy boat (laughs) yeah yeah i can definitely see izzy being a capricorn that makes a lot of sense to me also i feel like izzy also has i feel like in my brain izzy has like terrier or like miniature schnauzer energy in the way that before they were like lap dogs those were dogs that you that would like hunt like rats and rabbits and shit like that like little vicious dogs yeah like for hunting vermin and i'm like that just that just feels like izzy even though i'll have to dig it up someone tweeted the heights of like i think everyone on cast and like izzy is not much shorter than ed or steve but somehow con o'neill I think he's a there's that when that scene when Ed and Izzy are talking there's like a head height difference I feel like but also I don't know Ed could be wearing heels who knows yeah I just feel like he just has and I think the show plays up on it sort of like angry short dude energy yeah <laughs> um and I, I mean I don't think my actor is like that short in real life no, I've seen some really funny memes where people are like Con O'Neill in real life, Con O'Neill in like fan art, and it's just yes. like this dramatic <laughs> <Exactly>. idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
which he also the actor has embraced like i've seen so many tweets from him about like how short he is and like how short is he <laughs> i just love like he's just like yeah whatever like give me all the fandom i accepted it. it's canon now i mean it's for the actor probably pretty great to like have all of a sudden all of these like rando millennial queers being like i'm fucking obsessed with you yeah yeah it's gotta be super nice so i know i was trying to like keep the astrology talk to like one thing per episode however i want to talk about frenchie and why i think that frenchie is an aquarius i'm here for this i mean i feel like i already uh busted that wide open where i'm like i need to talk about Izzy and Ed are a fire slash earth sign relationship. But so, yes, let's talk about my dear sweet Frenchie. (laughs) Yeah. So I think I said in the first episode that he reminds me of Luna Lovegood a lot. Um, Obviously, this is a prime example. This like, actually, it's science. (laughs) moment. And I I guess I'll say for folks who are listening who, like, don't have access to the show but just love us and are listening anyway, Frenchie says uh, that it's science that women are bad luck on ships. He says women have crystals in their bodies and the crystals attract demons and the demons attract misfortune. And that is just, like, pure Aquarius energy, I feel like. And I'll talk more, obviously, in the next episode about Frenchie. Because in this episode, we get a lot of, like, goofy Frenchie. Like, he fucking nails his sleeve to the death. <laughs> um, you know, he's delivering these, like, really goofy lines. And I feel like this is, like, one one side of what Aquarius can look like, you know? Is this sort of, like, spaced out, like, conspiracy-believing whatever. Um, and then in the next episode, we're going to get, like strengths of Aquarius where Frenchie's gonna fucking blow us all away like nothing that we've seen so far could prepare us for what Frenchie is about to deliver in the next episode yeah I deeply deeply love the next episode yeah I have not yet ranked the episodes according to like the ones that I love the most but I think the next one is like definitely up there for a lot a lot of reasons yeah no same it it might be it might be the best one it's like every line in the next episode is quotable you know and when that's Mm -hmm. true it's hard to be like it's hard to argue that another one is is better you know yeah i have jim next unless there's someone else you'd rather talk about no we talk about jim okay so i wrote jim's gender reveal (laughs) 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 it's great i think we don't have anyone use they them pronouns yet in this episode for Jim, but like obviously I love how casually their gender is just like introduced, you know? We really just get them, you know, someone's like, You were a woman and they're like, I don't know. And that's basically it. Like, that's the end of that conversation, and then we never have to revisit it. I just think it's really great also i I love i love it for jim yes just to be like i'm just gonna keep being jim and everyone's like cool that sounds great yeah always always liked jim yeah Uh, yeah yeah it is yeah it's so nice and just like okay great (laughs) yeah 
yeah, I desperately hope that more shows take a leaf out of this show's book when it comes to the character development of trans folks to just be like, we can have four minutes total of screen time about it and then we can just keep on, keep on, keeping on. Yeah. So, uh, did you play that knife with Frenchie to be like, I'm only going to tell everyone this once. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's so good. Um, I do want to say, though, they're like, I've been on the boat for weeks and we haven't crashed. And I wrote, but they literally have. <laughs> they definitely ran aground and they've been attacked twice in the weeks that they've been on board, which is obviously not Jim's fault at all. But like, as a statement of fact, it is objectively false. Yeah. Probably because everyone is aware that it is, in fact, Steed's fault. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would argue that running aground was uh, Buttons's fault. Yeah. Yeah, as their navigator, senior navigator. Yeah, I mean, he was supposed to be steering, but he got distracted. <laughs> Do you have anyone else? Um, I have a little bit about Steed. Okay. And then uh, a little bit about Mary. Let's do it. So we meet we meet Mary. Um, we got glimpses of her before this episode, but we finally get sort of the flashback of what Steed's whole deal was. And it was they were both in this shitty, in this like unhappy marriage. And, you know, she was just trying fucking her best to this, to live the life that she was told is expected of her you know right just as steed was and like clearly she's also unhappy <laughs> if her like gla- middle of the day glass of wine wasn't enough of a signal yeah so. okay and i have a couple of things about steed what i think is really noticeable about steed when we get his marriage flashbacks is that like we see him wearing for the most part the like most somber colors that we get him in um, minus his like thespian director slash dueling turtleneck. Right. <laughs> and it's, I mean, obviously like excellent visual work on the show, but yeah, like, you know, less, less the excited peacock that we are used to and more of whatever sort of plain looking bird you want to enter. <laughs> yeah. This. I noticed that also. Yeah. I think it's like, it's really good work. And also, I super appreciate what it tells us about his character in that not only did he like have a custom ship built for him to sail away in, but also he got a like custom flamboyant pastel wardrobe made for him specifically to take on his boat and probably like left behind all of his like earth tone clothes. Yeah. He was like, Oh, finally I can be in a in a society where it doesn't matter if I wear uh, the brightest teal you have ever fucking seen <laughs> in your life. Yep. <sighs> I love that for him, honestly. I also do. Um, yeah, I just wanted to note just how happy he is to have someone to talk to about his, like, love of fashion. Like, the way that he lights up when Ed is like, yeah, I think I might like a fine fabric, you know? And Steed's just like, great, I have been waiting for someone to show my secret wardrobe to this whole time. My crew doesn't care. They're all wearing fucking rope. Like, probably Lucius doesn't even care. 
And he's just like, he's just so ecstatic. <laughs> I love it. It's really cute. And I mean, granted, if you have never felt cashmere and don't have a wool allergy, you definitely should because it'll, it's just like the most softest, beautiful sweater slash scarf. I'm assuming that what Ed is holding is a scarf material. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, my, my partner has a cashmere sweater. It's not an exquisite cashmere. It's a cheap cashmere. However, it is cashmere that he wears like semi-frequently and every time he's put it on since we started watching this show he'll like come up to me and like make me touch it it's a rather exquisite cashmere (laughs) oh Oh my god uh yeah all of my thrifted cashmere sweaters are in my winter clothing but i cannot wait to do that once it is not winter (laughs) once it is winter here I can't wait till it's time to put winter clothing away here. It's taken its time, man. Yeah, it's like weirdly hot here. Anyway, um, oh, Steed. I also, we also get a side of Steed that is basically 90s, like, sitcom dad, which up until this point, you would have been like, but you treat the crew like 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 they're your children. Like, clearly you're, would be a good... You know, and I mean, I think probably for his kids, he's kind of like checked out, but like still seems to like at least want to do some stuff with them. But he's like the way that he's checked out of his marriage is very much like, I don't know, not quite Ted Bundy, more like Homer Simpson, I think, where he's just like, I got you this thing that I like. And it's like, I I don't fucking want this ship, bro. (laughs) Do you? I told you yesterday I hate the ocean and you just completely and I'm just like, oh, Steed. The side of you, this yeah. come this come dad side of you, is a little bit surprising and also not great. <laughs> no, no, yeah. So my only other steed thing that's here is this scene, which I have made like multiple memes about about at this point, where Blackbeard is basically being like you have to make a decision like it's all it's all on you basically like everyone's literal nightmare everyone's gonna die and it's gonna be your fault um and steve just just screams i don't know what to do and i feel like that moment is like the core of him as a person like that is what steve bonnet is about is just this feeling of like i don't know what to do (laughs) (laughs) which is um very tragic in this scene but i think in general a lot of why we find him charming is that he's just like really trying and really stoked but literally has no idea what the fuck he's doing ever this is sort of where it where we see it yeah also i feel like a relatable feeling (laughs) yeah yeah as someone who has oftentimes no idea what the fuck i'm doing Welcome to Do You Fancy a Fine Fabric, where we talk about aesthetics. I'm really glad that we get to the episode where this line comes up. I don't know why that pleases me. (laughs) Um, I think I got to start off with, obviously, we get this in the last episode, but Edward Teach and his completely inappropriate for the tropical weather leather outfit. (laughs) It is, it just looks so fucking good. And he has his like fancy pistol and like I tried to get a screenshot of it but I think on the one sleeve of his coat that 
is just the shoulder and the sleeve and there's some kind of there's some kind of detail in the leather up there that looks kind of like flowers but i really had a hard time figuring out what it was yeah i couldn't really tell either but it's some sort of like studded something or other yeah i was thinking about his coat and obviously it's iconic it's so like sexy it's just incredible but it also is a lot like a lot of the things that we make fun of on our Buffy podcast that when they're wearing like a halter sweater or like a sweatshirt that's also like a belly shirt um, where we're like, what are you like dressed for two two different weathers? Like a mullet of a shirt. And it's basically like, this is a mullet coat. It's like one one of his arms is ready for summer and the other is ready for like a brisk fall day. And it's so silly, but it's so sexy that that doesn't matter at all. You know, I I think part of it is that is I'm sure IRL not super comfortable leather pants are. They just they live just look fucking good. And like I mean, Taika Waititi is a fucking attractive dude, but somehow the way that he is embodying Blackbeard is just like it it just like oozes sexy. Yes. It's great. And of course, there's obvious, well, I had seen some chatter that Ed's look is inspired by the like OG Mad Max movie. Okay. Which I have not seen because I don't really want to look at what's his face's face. Mel Gibson. Mel Mel Gibson. Don't look at his face. I'm probably not going to see it. So yeah, I don't care that like it makes even less sense here than it does in a like post-apocalyptic movie that takes place in the desert. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's great. Also, uh, for people who aren't aware, I have have a knee injury and have to wear a leg brace. And I'm like, can I find a leather leg brace? Would that be comfortable? I don't know. <laughs> it seems impractical, but I'm like, it seems like it would be cooler. <laughs> mm-hmm. It would look cooler than my, my contraption of Velcro and plastic. So, Surely we could like gussy yours we martha stewart definitely has a tutorial on how to paint your velcro knee brace to look like it's leather (laughs) i could figure something out for sure um also the fact that his coat is a it showed like just every once in a while shows a little bit of tummy is like god damn it (laughs) he yeah and the fact that under his leather coat is basically a crop top is also just like of all the places you'd want to be protecting with leather, I feel like your stomach seems like the appropriate place. <laughs> you know very well that he loves being stabbed. He sure does. jeez. <laughs> uh... <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a ridiculous outfit, but it looks great. And I can't handle sometimes just how sexy it is. Yeah, for real. And his hair. His hair. Like half pony. Oh my god, it's just so good. And I looked it up today. It's a wig. I assume that they gave him extensions. I don't know why you wouldn't go extensions if that's an option, because it would yeah. be more comfortable. The the uh the budget for the wig of it on his hair and like the beard. Like he doesn't he doesn't have a beard that long. It's also fake. But I'm like. This is, I'm not used to seeing this like high quality on like a television show where it's like, oh, you guys had a budget for this. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
I also, in learning that his his beard, which I also assumed was like beard extensions or something, or he just fucking grew it out, although that would take like two years. Like he had the same issue as Jim. Like if he smiled, the glue would break and it would fall off, which means that like the unbelievable amount of like expression that he is delivering to us is happening with like the bottom half of his face having to be deeply controlled. Like Tyra Banks would be so impressed with his ability to smize because I was like, but he does smile like a lot, but he not it's not happening with his mouth for the most part. It's all it's all eyes. And that is just fucking incredible. It, work. it is like it is honestly like incredible acting. Cause like right. Because until he shaves a beard, like all you see is like basically the top half of his face. And he's doing so much acting, like and like conveying so much depth and warmth or coldness, depending on the situation, with like just like right, his eyes, you know, and like a little bit of his cheeks. So mm-hmm. it's like truly incredible. Yeah. Okay. Who's next? Or what's next? Oh, uh, I only have a couple of things in this session, but uh, so Mary, when the scene when they're exchanging gifts, which I'm assuming is their anniversary, I don't know. It seems to be happening on the same day. Mary's dress sort of reminds me of the dress in Beauty and the Beast when like Belle and the Beast are like dancing in the giant ballroom. Mm -hmm. And I think it's like not just the color, but a little bit of the cut too. (laughs) That sounds right. Yeah, it's a nice dress. It is a nice dress. Welcome to Stark Revelations, where we talk about things that are fucked up. Uh, I just wanted to briefly touch upon Ed's br- like moment of like suicide ideation, where he's just like, everything's so fucking boring, and it's all just very fucking just the same, and I'm so over it, and it's like, oh, I haven't tried dying. Maybe that. And, and, it's, and it's just like, I'm sorry, what the fuck mm-hmm. are you talking about? And I'm like, oh, no. And... I think it's just like it's clearly showing us just like where Ed is like mentally and it's not a good place despite all of his sort of like this sort of minor joy of like meeting the crew and they have a bird guy and like look at this like funny like funny little ship and like look at these like cool outfits that Steve has like he's still like just so deeply unhappy with his life despite being at the top of his game piracy wise Mm -hmm. like he's and he's clearly been like mentally ill for a while if Izzy's like I've been dealing with your increasingly erratic moods line is to be believed this is so it's sort of like I think it's like an important thing it is a a point to note about his character development and of course sort of a thing to keep in mind when we see sort of like where his sort of highs and lows go and like where he takes that Mm -hmm. is that like before him and Steed started having adventures and like falling in love he was just ready to be like Let's try this new thing, even if it is being, I don't know, ran through by the Spanish Navy or whatever the fuck, you know? Yeah. And I think that moment also makes a lot of sense to me in that he, like, something exciting is happening and he's, like, finding this rare moment of joy and Izzy is over here being a real fucking buzzkill and just being like, stop having fun, pay attention and you know when you're in a really bad place mentally emotionally and you have that like something that like pulls you out of it 
to have someone just like immediately pull you back into the thing that's bumming you out is like yeah of course he like has what looks like an intense overreaction which i would argue is like not overreacting Mm -hmm. um obviously not like threatening suicide is probably overreacting or like implying that but like the level of like frustration and distress that he has as a result of what Izzy is doing I'm like yeah I would probably respond exactly the same way yeah 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 for sure yeah welcome to the art of fuckery where we rant about stuff I would like to start with okay so we get our proper reveal of Blackbeard in this episode I love also okay I have so much to say about this (laughs) I love that he's smoking because it means that like there is this like cloud of smoke as we're panning around and like that's the only information we've been given from Black P is like his head is made of smoke when he wants it to be Mm. and then like we get this reveal and I feel like what we're doing with this show is something that's like a pretty widely used trope is like someone is like built up in the imaginations of the characters on the show and then we get the reveal and the reveal is like nothing like what you expected and usually it's mean I feel like usually it's like lol he's actually short or like he's actually bald or you know whatever and here the gag is he's actually so hot that your face is melting off (laughs) and I think that that's so fucking funny like i think it's like such a better joke than any other time i've seen this gag used no you're correct it's yeah it it is yeah yeah more people should have that reveal just be like oh wow you are so much hotter than i thought you were gonna be (laughs) it's like you're supposed to be like this terrifying presence and instead you're just like so attractive like Still having, you know, you're, like, still having a, like, jaw-dropping reaction, but it is in no way the jaw-dropping reaction that anyone expected to be having, you know? You're just like, holy shit. Um, And I really appreciate that they, like, acknowledge that this is the gag that they've been doing when we have Lucius say, I thought he'd be taller. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. It's really good. All right, I have also one more thing before we get into the whole parallels between Steed and Ed that we get, which is, okay, so as someone also well-versed in the use of a trope, and we get actually a lot of things in this this season where it's like set off the cuff and that comes out to be important later or like used in an interesting way, is that I am very much team Lucius is hiding in a secret passageway of the ship for season two because you just can't be like oh yeah i've had a few secret patches put in and we see one which is his auxiliary closet and then we don't see any more and i'm like you know just don't fucking say that unless you're gonna reveal that that's where lucius has been hiding like eating fucking marmalade and being fucking angry about the shit <laughs> you yeah. know yes like and maybe they'll do something else with it but like again this show as we need to remind ourselves is a rom-com and i mean even when you get to the like you know the truth is revealed kind of whatever and then it's just like oh no our two the two people have like split up for whatever kind of internal or external drama it's like 
It's going to be a happy ending because that's the whole point of rom-coms. Yeah, totally. Um, which this show is 110%. It's a lot of other things too, but it is also a rom-com. Yeah. And like, if this show were to kill a gay character, like the betrayal that that would be, would be enormous. So like, yeah. Lucius is somewhere. Yeah, no, I, there's no doubt in my mind that Lucius is alive. This show isn't Game of Thrones notorious for killing off almost every main character <laughs> out of the 30 <laughs> main characters. All, most of them are dead. Um, this is not the kind of show. I'm not watching Game of Thrones. I'm watching a rom-com about gay pirates. So like yeah. Lucius, like, they're not going to kill Lucius. No. Is my feeling. Okay. Um, let's talk about our... Uh, Starcross lovers and their current marriages. Basically. <laughs> I feel like I, I feel like I should start this off in that. I mean, obviously, clearly, Izzy is in love with Ed. We're not. It's sort of like I think still a bit of a question in my mind to like what level of affection. Like obviously, Ed has a lot of affection for Izzy and like love that I just isn't romantic. Yeah. So, but for, like, this show is setting up a, a very clear parallel, like, Ed and Izzy are in an, an unhappy marriage, <laughs> just, yeah. like, like, just so starkly that in order for us to move forward, it's like, well, yeah, they're, they're like a married couple. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. No, you're good. I, so I have them kind of separated stuff about Steve and Mary's relationship, all right. Yeah. I think just like sort of in general, also the root of this is that it's every everyone's having communication issues <laughs> in their respective relationships. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Do you want to start with Izzy and Ed or with Mary and Steed? I have Mary and Steed first. Okay. And I think you brought up a lot of the stuff that I have here earlier, um, just in terms of like what a terrible husband steed was it's very different from the steed that we see here and like you know circumstances dramatically affect how we treat the people in our lives but like he was a really bad husband he treated mary like shit emotionally yeah Uh, and it's and like i know that the internet has really ran with and misused the term gaslighting but he gets he gets a little a little a little smidge gaslighting when they're like in bed and he's just like, Oh no, you didn't hear me crying. What are you what are you talking about? It's like Steve. She knows I, you're unhappy. She's also unhappy. Like Okay, I thought about this too. Like it is technically gaslighting. I think gaslighting implies like some level of intent. I think that's just avoiding a situation. That's fair. You know. It's gaslighting in the secret garden when Mary is like, I heard someone crying and Miss Medlock is like, that was the wind on the moors and like, you're imagining things and you have to stay locked in this room forever and stop exploring. Like that, she is like gaslighting Mary. Uh, This is just Steed being like, "Uh, no, it was probably, it was probably something else because I definitely don't want to talk to you about the fact that I was crying. I don't think there's anything like abusive about that, you know? That's fair. It's just is deeply shitty. Yeah. It's also okay to like not want to talk about things sometimes. That is true. 
I feel like the situation with her painting is like significantly more shitty than like avoiding that is, a conversation. That is actually also deeply, deeply shitty. It's so terrible. He's so awful. <laughs> He's like, oh, the, the kids did um also like when she's like i did it and he's like oh you can tell it's like the rudest thing and it's also just like so ridiculous because it is a fucking beautiful painting it's gorgeous it's gorgeous and like we're not gonna focus on this but the style of painting has like not even been invented yet at this time period so it's like mary is literally ahead of her time with the style (laughs) and Caesar's just like oh yeah looks like a child draw it's like no sir (laughs) (laughs) unless it is a very talented child (laughs) right what children's art looks like my dude yep yeah and it's just like it's like mary's just trying so hard to be like could you please be in the same reality as me and he's just it's like i think like even kind of beyond like head in the clouds just sort of like i just don't even want to be here so i'm just going to be completely disconnected yeah which sucks. Definitely have had depressions like that. It's not great. <laughs> no. It's not really, it's not an excuse though for being shady to your partner. No. It, it, it isn't. Like you can be depressed and be an asshole. And that is what Steed is doing. Right. Yeah. Cause she's really trying when she also like very like states that she also doesn't want to be there and doesn't want to be doing it. I don't know. Yeah. It's bad. I feel like the, the part where you're like, oh, shit, is the part where he has signed his, like, I've left letter with fond regards. What <laughs> an like, asshole. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, honestly, sincerely would have been less insulting than fond regards. <laughs> I don't know. I thought that I thought the letter was kind of shitty, which is basically have fun being a single mom. Peace out. It's like, dude. <laughs> yeah. Could she even legally do this at this time, my dude? Did you put any thought in it besides being like, I'm out? So. He left her a fuckload of money. I don't know. I mean, I yeah. feel like if she wants to hire a nanny, she can. So. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she was already rich before she got married, and now she's even more rich with her combined wealth. So, like, right. Yeah. Um, it, it isn't. I mean, that helps cushion the blow, obviously. Yeah. And I think. I also. So I think it's also. It's interesting where you know so both maybe mary a little bit less so but i feel like both mary and izzy are both sort of like blindsided by their partner's sort of complete and utter disdain for the life that they have helped them build Mm. you know yeah and just like like that that still sucks even if it's like obviously like steed and ed are unhappy in the lives that they are in but it's sort of just like you have other people to think about you know like, Ed still has a crew and a whole other fucking ship, you know? He's just like, I'm just going to hang out here and eat marmalade with my new boyfriend, you know? And he's just I mean, in like, theory, where the fuck is his, his revenge, the Queen Anne's revenge? Who the fuck knows? <laughs> Who is piloting it if first mate Izzy Hands is, like, stomping around the revenge, being pissed about right. Steed? <laughs> you know? What an excellent question. Blackbird does not give a fuck. No. You know? Like he gives, he gives her a fucks because like he's just so excited for like the novelty of being able to potentially break loose of the like pirate social expectations. You know? Right. Yeah. 
that when Izzy is like, you know, I've I've been dealing with your increasingly erratic moods and like trying to keep the crew together and whatever. And Ed's just like, oh, that sounds stressful, Izzy. Like so condescendingly, you're just like, oh my God, sir, that was so rude. Holy shit. Honestly, Izzy's uh, restraint from just not hitting Ed in the face there and just giving him two middle fingers is like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's like, Izzy, you need to find a new boyfriend. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> There's plenty of eligible bachelors in this crew. You can just <laughs> take your pick, my dude. Yeah. And it's just like, I think, I think what I also like about this episode is sort of like, obviously the very strong parallels of like Ed and Steed, but also just sort of like the fact that what they both desire is like sort of seen via like both of their partners and probably the world at large is being very strange and i'm like oh you guys have queer desires do you (laughs) you want to you want to defy expectations and imagine a new way of a new way of living including (laughs) potentially changing the way that you look and i'm like gay it's gay it's all gay (laughs) they're trying on these literally new identities within two hours of a meeting it's like take off your clothes we're swapping let me try being a like fancy, pretty soft boy for a minute. And I'm just like, gay. Yeah. Like, is this both of you guys' ring of keys moment? Because I feel like maybe, at least for Steve, <laughs> it probably yeah. is. Yeah, totally. Do you want to use that to slide into the sexy section? Or do you have other stuff here? Uh, Yeah, no, we can do that. Okay. Welcome to And They Were Co-Captains, where we talk about sexy stuff. Um, yeah, because I just want to say, like, do you want to do something weird is like. That was a come on. <laughs> yeah, peak, peak flirting. Like, that is really great. Um, I know people. Well, I mean, like, obviously, I have no point of reference, but like a lot of people make fun of the way that the flirting happens on this show. Like the stabbing scene, the do you want to do something weird line, the like, I'd come to your restaurant thing. And I'm like. Isn't that just what flirting looks like? But again, I if that's what weird gay flirting looks like, that's, I guess, the only kind I've ever done. So, like, maybe I don't know what flirting looks like, but I feel like that's just normal flirting. Is it not? Yeah, it's like theater gays flirting, which is essentially what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe part of it is that people are so used to conventional rom-coms and i mean like conventional even if there are queer people looking at you whatever the fuck that terrible holiday movie is uh and so when you just have like weird dramatic queers like flirting with each other it's just Mm -hmm. like i don't understand what's happening it's like ed was like immediately after meeting stays like take off your clothes and put mine on yeah you look great in this leather and i'm just like (laughs) yeah And I think, I mean, maybe it's because, like, I've only ever, like, dated people I was friends with. And I guess, like, flirting looks a little bit different when you, like, actually know each other than, like, in most movies and TV shows where people start dating before they actually know who the other person is. So flirting yeah. is, like, like awkward moments in, like, hallways or bars or, like, the office water cooler or whatever the fuck. And, like glances and stuff but like when you're flirting with your friends it is having these like very silly conversations that like 
are fueled by the kind of adrenaline that happens when you have butterflies that like you never get to have again after the flirting period but yeah it just feels very genuine to me yeah I also feel like and not that I've done this because I have a rule with I had I had a rule with myself when I was single to only try to pursue people who were at least mostly kind of out to themselves where I feel like if you in the situation where it's like I want to flirt with you but I'm not totally sure if you're gay then of course it's going to look different like just fucking rub me through with this sword <laughs> or do you want to do something weird you know yeah yeah <laughs> it's just just so funny just how like instantly enamored Ed is with Steve and oh like I mean vice versa don't get me wrong but we start this episode off with Steve is like bleed, like his like bandage is bleeding. He's like in a full fever dream, and Ed has been at his bedside like watching him for like who knows how long. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, on top of like saving him from being murdered by the Spanish Navy. Right. It's just like you're you're just you're just so deeply into this, and of course Steve is like. <gasps> A new friend slash crush. Do you want to see my secret closet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love when he's just like, he, Ed, is just like psychically communing with Steed, who is unconscious. He's just like staring at him, just trying to like, you know, I think I sent you that tweet or something that was like, dear Reddit, I'm trying to figure out if this unconscious dying man i found is gay <laughs> like based on his like fever like coma what words are fever mutterings whatever um you know because he's like talking back to him he's like who is this mary like what does she mean to you yeah <laughs> deeply he's like so mary like is mary uh, yeah the um the way that So, you know, they've come out and Ed, like, introduces Steed and then he's like, greet your fucking captain. And then everyone's doing that and Izzy pulls him away and is yelling at him. And, like, Ed does not stop staring at, we can only assume, Steed's ass the entire time Izzy is yelling at him. He cannot take his eyes away. Yeah, he is only half paying attention to Izzy uh, because he's just like, uh-huh, yeah, but like, have you seen him in those other pants though, Izzy? Are, are yeah. you looking, Izzy? Because I need you to really focus on this. Yeah. <laughs> and Izzy's like, I don't want to fucking die <laughs> because you have a fucking crush. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Welcome to The Crystals Attract Demons where we talk about science and history and stuff. Uh, I actually have a few more things here than I have had in the past few episodes. Okay. Um, do you want me to start? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so first off, um, we had the line from Wee John. No, we had the line from Roach where he's like, uh, I have like an uncle named Margaret. And Wee John is like, oh, that's kind of like one of those either or names, you know, but like Jim. And I looked it up. Margaret has been historically a woman's name okay. uh, since the 4th century, probably derived from a like Greek word, word uh, a Greek word that means pearl, 
But in the fourth century, there's also a saint, a Saint Margaret, who was the patron saint of expectant mothers and who was frequently painted um, in the Middle Ages as with the dragon that she has allegedly escaped from at some point in her adventures. Interesting. Yeah. So Saint Margaret, pretty rad. There probably are some dudes named or some people named Margaret who are not women because that's just statistically likely statistically likely but i like i feel like when you said that i'm like i have to google this yeah <laughs> uh and yes obviously any name could be any gender yeah that little line was a reason to look it up nice i'm glad that you did that because i've wondered about it every single time and i've never looked it up so. <laughs> i was like i know i'm not doing any pirate research but at least let me look up about the name margaret <laughs> yeah yeah um I want to talk about weather phenomena. Okay. Um, so, you know, Ed is like, yeah, I knew it was going to do this fog thing for these reasons. Mm. Um, the color of the morning sky, the shape of the clouds, the fact that there was a wind. So I feel like a lot of us grew up hearing the the saying, red sky at night, sailors delight, red sky in morning, sailors take warning. Mm-hmm. It is real. And the reason is that a red sky appears when dust and small particles are trapped in the atmosphere by high pressure, and it scatters blue light, leaving only the red behind. And a red sky at sunset means that high pressure is moving in from the west, so the next day will probably be dry and pleasant. But in the morning, it's because high pressure weather system has already moved east, so the good weather has passed and probably it will be wet and windy and a low pressure system. Interesting. That's yeah. so cool. I know. And apparently like these little rhymy sayings exist like the world over. Like every culture, every language has some sort of thing that's like easy to remember that gets passed on because, you know, pre- any sort of weather prediction, this is like the best thing that you had to know what kind of day you were going to have. Right. Especially if you're like a fucking sailor when you're just like, I mean, I've never been at sea, kind of afraid of big boats, but I am aware that uh, big storms in the ocean sound fucking horrifying. Yeah. So. Need to be ready to batten down the hatches, whatever the fuck that means. (laughs) Yeah. That's so cool. It never occurred to me that like every society that's near the water would have or like that would have something like that that's so cool i don't think it's even like water based because apparently in some areas it the saying is about shepherds and not sailors so because it's like really if you're like doing outdoor tasks knowing what the weather is going to be that day is important so i think it's just kind of everywhere that's so cool yeah it's always nice to be reminded that the, there could there is a lot of accuracy in the oral tradition, which I think Western society sort of wants to pre- pretend that that is not true. That's very true. Yes. Uh, so speaking of the linchpin on which Ed's initial plan fails is that it's not going to be bright enough because it's the day before the full moon. But even if you're, the moon is not full, it's like mostly full and it is very bright. So that is not actually the problem. Really? Yes, it's the tide. Oh, you're right. Yes. I was like, it's a light thing. Duh, it's a tide thing. Yeah, and that's a real thing, full moon 
tides they're called spring tides and they're like much more intense or whatever than than other tides so i would assume that the like you know two wolf moons on either side of the full would probably also have a very strong tide but whatever and this is the kind of thing that i fucking love about this show is like the color of the morning sky accurate the effect the full moon has on the tide accurate was 1717 a leap year absolutely not (laughs) i actually meant to look that up but i like couldn't quite remember the year i just think that's like this is (laughs) the perfect encapsulation of what i think is so great about what this show's priorities are it's yeah they're like whatever it's good for the joke just put it in there I mean, it is, it is a really good joke. It is a great joke. We're going to be like, oh, bro, it's a leap year. Just... Also, like, that means that Ed has been one day off since February. <laughs> <laughs> it, like, doesn't even matter because Izzy's on the correct calendar. He's not one day behind, ahead. So, it, like, it basically evens itself out, except for this yeah. precise moment. Yeah. <sighs> <sighs> yes, I have one more thing, which is... We get a, I, I talk, we get a lot of we get a lot of lighthouse symbolism in this episode um, with the story, and we kind of keep rolling with it. The show, I mean, next episode is this episode the fuckery one, or is it the one after that? The one after. All right. This episode, we get kind of like Steed associated with a sort of lighthouse symbolism, and then a couple episodes from now, we'll get Ed as the Kraken, which I will talk about once we get to the the art of fuckery episode. But just like in this show, in real life, I mean, the symbol of the lighthouse is to sort of like a light in the darkness kind of like safety guiding light, but also maybe not quite paradoxical, also an alert about danger. Because the the places you want to put lighthouses are where the rocks and the ocean are just fucking dangerous as shit. Right. (laughs) So you want a lighthouse there so the ships don't fucking run into the rocks or whatever geographical things could like you know fuck up your shit right and we kind of and you know ed says in this episode that like you know you're supposed to fucking avoid like houses so he's like even bringing up the sort of inherent danger of what people consider this like kind of safety like safe guiding force which is great because i think that at least in this episode we sort of end on sort of like ed and steed being each other's lighthouses in a way that like steed could not be for mary Mm. um but there's also like in any relationship where you are being vulnerable there's also a little bit of danger that you could become emotionally cracked on the rocks right which is i mean as we see the end of this season what happens to my dear sweet ed Mm -hmm. so yeah this show is real good at symbolism you guys i just wanted to i just wanted to to point that out i also feel like a little bit it also feels a little bit like you know what also the lighthouse sort of feels a little bit like the tower which is a tarot card mm. <laughs> where i'm like it's a lot of uh, a lot of change a lot of abrupt change and i feel like that also kind of applies to steed i would say which we will obviously get into at once we finish the season right all right that was your last thing here that was my last thing here cool Welcome to Petrified Orange, where we talk about our new favorite things. I believe it's your week to go first. Um, so at the, so at the start of this episode, we see Ed smoking uh, just a normal, what I think is a corncob pipe, pipe 
as opposed to his long-ass Gandalf pipe, which leads, me, which leads me to believe that his Gandalf pipe is for weed. Did I say this last episode? <laughs> no, you didn't. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Ed has a no-more tobacco pipe and then also a ridiculous pipe for his weed. Canon accepted. Mm-hmm. Um, my first thing this week is the Swede's line delivery when he says, it makes sense. I always liked Jim. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. Uh, oh man, now I should say, should I say my my thing I have written down or the other great line from this week, this episode? You can do three. All right. Uh, when when the Swede is like, I was not expecting that. <laughs> like it was a like particularly <laughs> juicy plot twist. <laughs> uh. All right, my second one this week is the it's so hard to describe the like just extremely self-confident like sort of pirouette up onto the table that ed does when he's explaining how he knew that the fog was gonna come in (laughs) it it's like at that point you're like theater gay like that was just you were just (laughs) waiting for the opening for you to show off your fabulous calves and these stockings yeah to be like it it was i really deduced the answer it's like i love it i fucking love it i'm gonna make a gif of it and put it with the the when i put all the photos of the things we talk about in the episode on the website so if anyone doesn't remember you'll be able to watch it there all right what's your bonus favorite just that Frenchie is definitely a flat earther. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Big Aquarius energy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Gay Pirate Podcast. Uh, We're going to be off next week, so we will be back in two Tuesdays with episode five. But if you miss us between now and then, Hashtag Ruthless Productions actually makes two other podcasts, uh, The Gayly Prophet, which is about Harry Potter, and Escape from Reality, that's E-S-G-A-Y-P-E from Reality, is about the Simon Snow trilogy by Rainbow Rowell. Um, Also, if you're more of a Buffy fan, we have a patreon-only Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast called We Are the Gayers that you can find at patreon.com slash thegaylyprofit. And until next time, farewell, Bonnet's Playthings. <laughs> <laughs>